You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? It is Saturday night, 5.30, Saturday evening, actually. My voice is a little bit gone at this point. I uh, It's been a long week of baseball. We've had some fall balls, some tryouts for some travel teams, and I think I've just been, uh, you know, chirping a little bit too much. And maybe that's a good thing, Ryan. <laughs> maybe I'll lose my voice on this show and you'll have to take over. Less of me, more of you, always a good thing. Welcome to the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, a special preseason finale edition of the podcast i am inside highmark stadium ryan talbot is joining me as i always and we're going to break down the buffalo bills 19 to 0 preseason victory over the green bay packers how are you my friend hey i am doing great uh, another preseason in the books the bills just can't be stopped i think what they've won their last eight preseason games meaningless stat but uh, it, it was a there was a lot of things that happened today that were not meaningless however matt which we're going to get into here tonight you're right. And, you know, speaking of not meaningless, the shop, this shop podcast is brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Tops loves local. Tops is proud to partner with over 200 local growers to supply Tops with their freshest homegrown fruits and vegetables. Produce pick this morning. It can be on your table tonight. Man, the table was full for Josh Allen today inside Hardmark Stadium. I mean, anywhere he looked, any weapon that he chose, People were pay, uh, making plays around him. He ends up playing three series, uh, which I, I think was a bit surprising. We could talk about that a little bit. Plays three series, two of them end in touchdowns. Josh Allen goes 20 for 26, 194 yards, 76.9% completion rate. Two touchdowns, like I mentioned, one 122.9 quarterback rating. Ryan Talbot, I mean, really, there. if you wanted to knock the rust off or see if the rust has been knocked off, he proved it definitively in this one. Yeah, he looked outstanding. Like you said, he was spreading the ball around. They didn't have Stefan Diggs in this game, but it didn't matter. Uh, I thought after the first drive, they might pull him and the rest of the, the main starters out because he finished something like 10 of 11 for 90 yards and a touchdown. 
wherever he was going with the ball, it was just, it, it was there for the taking. And he was throwing passes before his receivers were even turned around, putting it in a pinpoint locations. Not every ball was perfect. There was one or two I'm sure he'd like to have back, but for the most part, he looked extremely sharp. He had two touchdowns, as you mentioned, and, and this wasn't regular season Josh Allen. And what I mean by that is he only took off and ran with the ball one time in the game, a four yard gain to move the chains. There were some other opportunities for him to run had this been a regular season matchup, but instead he he threw a ball in the dirt at one point and, and got rid of a ball here and there. Things that I don't think you would see him do in regular season action. So for a tune-up for the regular season, I, I think uh, Bills fans should feel pretty good about Josh Allen in this Bills offense. Um, head over to Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. You can read my full observations. Ryan Stock Up, Stock Down is live on the site right now. Plenty of things to read and there'll be more to come later tonight. <clears throat> Matthew Harmon in the comments here joking around that uh, you guys caught me off guard. And I've always told you guys on YouTube, make sure you are subscribed and that you have notifications on because post game show shows are going to vary in terms of timing. I might set up the stream to start at say for today, six 30, but because of our, you know, cadence, it might uh, be plausible to do it a little bit earlier. So you got to be on your toes. You got to be ready to react at a moment's notice. And, you know, <clears throat> I found it funny in the post-game press conference, Ryan, talking to Emmanuel Sanders after his first official game in a Bills uniform. He said it was kind of crazy. It was like bing, 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 bing. Like, you know, you can watch it on film, but it's a little bit different when you're out here and being a part of a, a, an offense that is willing to come out in the preseason and throw it 15 straight times. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders ended up getting eight targets, really got himself his first, um, you know, ability to really get comfortable in this offense. And I think what also was proven today, and we're going to talk about him in pretty great detail here coming up now, Gabriel Davis, I think has taken a jump even from last year when he had seven touchdowns. I think that he's ready for whatever role this team has for him. I know that Emmanuel Sanders on paper makes sense to be that number two receiver, but I almost feel like they're, they're kind of going in two different directions. I mean, you got Gabriel Davis, who's kind of ascending and, and Emmanuel Sanders, who's kind of coming down, I think that they have high hopes for him. But I think in terms of reliability and a guy that from game to game, I think that you can rely on maybe a little bit more at this stage of both of their careers. I think Gabriel Davis showed not only today, but what he showed as a rookie that he can be that. Josh Allen said that he trusts him. Yeah, and that's huge. And I th that trust was gained during Gabriel Davis's rookie season, where whenever Allen needed to play along the sidelines, Gabriel Davis seemed to find himself open, be able to get his feet in bounds. Whenever he had to come back to a ball because Allen was scrambling because of pressure in his face, Gabriel Davis was one of his most trusted assets in, on this offense. So he has earned that trust. He has looked the part. He has played great football early in his career. And you mentioned it today at uh, five of five in terms of his targets and receptions, 75 yards led the way for this Bills offense, including that uh, rocket touchdown pass to open up the game. So Gabriel Davis is ascending. And, you know, I saw your comment on Twitter and I made a comment on Twitter, too, about how in a sense he's wide receiver four on this team because you have Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders. And someone said it doesn't matter because the Bills will run a lot of four wide receiver sets and and. My point to that was it does matter because most teams do not have four quality cornerbacks that you can match up against wide receivers of this caliber. So whether it's Gabriel Davis getting open, whether it's Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley in the slot, or Stefan Diggs, who obviously gets the most attention of those four receivers, 
There's just so many options for Josh Allen, and he made it look so easy today with that quick passing game. These last two preseason games, although Allen only played in this one, resembled the Bills offense that we saw last year where they were passing early and off. In the first preseason game, they tried to get the run game going a little bit with Singletary and company, Uh, but we're seeing the pass-happy offense the last two outings with great success. His footwork is something that really stands out to me, and I think that I go. I always tell the story. I think on this podcast, I've told it a couple of times, but indulge me if you will. You know, going back to that embedded series when Brian Dable and um, they were interviewing him, but then even more so, the the scouts and Brandon Bean sitting and watching him run his forty time at the yeah. combine, and when they are all kind of like celebrated when he ran a slow time, because I think that his football speed is just a little bit different. Guys have defensive backs. I know this was preseason and let's put a caveat out there right now. I mean, Green Bay played mostly backups today. And, you know, at times like Gabriel Davis's touchdown, which was a spectacular, spectacular dart from Josh Allen was against like a fourth, third or fourth team uh, defensive back. So, I mean, let's not overreact, but it's, it's what we've, it carries over from what we've seen from Gabriel Davis already, his speed, his ability to put pressure and stress on a defensive back immediately at the line of scrimmage, I think is just, it's underappreciated. And then after the play, like like we mentioned, the footwork, his ability to make moves after the play and get yards after the catch, he demonstrated a little bit of all of that. Five catches for 75 yards, and that all came, Ryan, on basically one-and-a-half drives. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, uh, outstanding in terms of the output that he had today. You mentioned it. I love that embedded scene when they went back and they showed that the 40 time. I want to say he was talking to, oh, like it wasn't Brian Gain at that time, um, but whoever he was Joe talking Shane. to, it was Joe Shane. And he said, I hope he runs, you know, in this range. And sure enough, it was, I think it was a little bit faster than the range he was talking about, but not by a significant margin. He's like, oh, that's perfect for us because they loved what they saw on tape and they knew that. Uh, he would likely fall into that range where they were comfortable getting him. And sure enough, he's delivered seven touchdowns as a rookie uh, really had opportunities for it to be 10. I think he had uh, a few called back because of penalties as in his rookie year. So he's going to be a big part of this passing offense uh, this year. And then going forward, he's one of those long-term options that Josh Allen is going to have throughout this duration of his new deal. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into some uh, running game thoughts. I thought Zach Moss had a really nice game today. I thought it was interesting that the offensive line, the starting line, played into the second half. Uh, Mitch Morris, Deion Dawkins, Cody Ford, John Feliciano, and Daryl Williams all got a series uh, in the second half. And I think that um, Sean McDermott mentioned in his post-game press conference that he just wanted to get them in, you know, a bit of a rhythm here before we get uh, have two weeks off. Sean also mentioned that they're planning on two padded practices this week before a long weekend uh, into, you know, Labor Day. And uh, they'll get back probably that Wednesday uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers week. A lot to get to still on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to get into some thoughts on 53-man roster decisions that are coming up. But, Ryan, you posted a story in-game today. Brandon Bean was on the broadcast. He was interviewed, and he had some interesting comments. Why don't you illuminate that a little bit uh, for, for for our viewers? And, by the way, YouTube, I see a lot of people watching. Hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe as well. Yeah, so Brandon Bean was in the uh, commentary booth for a few segments in today's game, and he was asked about possibly making some trades because there have been a lot of trades in the NFL over the last two weeks. 
Uh, even this morning with Gardner Minshew being traded from Jacksonville to Philadelphia. And he said, listen, we're expecting some calls in the next few days. And he said they've already received quite a few calls, most of which have been on players on the defensive line, uh, especially at defensive end. But I, I did find it interesting he said defensive line because they also have an extra defensive tackle or two who's going to be someone's going to be an odd man out there. So I think the Bills are going to be, you know, I don't want to call them players at the there's no deadline here but ahead of cut downs i think they are going to make a deal or two and it might be for some draft picks it might be to address some depth that they need to address we, we saw today the cornerback position is still banged up they might try to get a cornerback back in a deal for a defensive lineman there might be some offensive tackle uh swing tackle options that they could look at because uh, we saw that Spencer Brown was not out there on the field today, although I think he'll be out sooner rather than later playing again. Uh, you, you saw some of those other options that the Bills have being Tommy Doyle, who still has some room to grow as a, a player. And you saw Bobby Hart, who uh, I think Bills fans are just ready to, to part ways with. He had another performance where he missed some blocks and uh, he put Jake Fromm at, at risk of taking some hits. So you know, I think Brandon Bean is really going to weigh his options in these next few days before Tuesday when they have to have that roster trimmed down to 53 players. Yeah, I was talking about it with uh, Thad Brown on the postgame show in between uh, uh, segments where, you know, the Jake Fromm part of this whole thing is interesting. I got a tweet uh, right before the end of the game as Fromm was wrapping up his day, and it was like, what do you think Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are, are looking for out of Jake Fromm here? Is this can he do enough to make the team? Is this maybe an audition for other teams? And I said, listen, in my opinion, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think that the, all options are on the table because of the issues that they're going to face at other areas of the roster. We're going to get into the defensive line a little bit more uh, intently because I have a couple maybe new <clears throat> observations on how this thing could go, a couple new ideas, and we'll get into that in a second. But for Fromm, I think the Bills are in a good spot because they can – they can basically spend the next couple of days, Brandon Bean and his staff, you know, basically vetting teams on the interest in from. If there's not enough interest out there, then you know you could cut them and get them back on your practice squad. With 16 players, Ryan, I'm not eliminating them the the option of bringing back both Davis Webb and Jake from the practice squad. I'm just not. No, and I think that's a fair point. I, I even said that I think in my first 53-man roster projection that I think both guys are targets for the practice squad. But I, I will say today felt a little bit like a showcase for Jake Fromm. Uh, they weren't trying to eat the clock up a lot when he was on the field. They were letting him throw the ball a fair amount. He had some really nice throws to Tanner Gentry, Jake Kumro and company. He showed some uh, impressive footwork running for a touchdown in the matchup as well. So it did feel a little bit like it was a showcase for him. And, you know, mind you, Bills fans, if you end up trading Jake Fromm, you're probably looking at a conditional sixth or seventh round pick. Um, Gardner Minshew, who has NFL experience, not saying that Minshew's significantly better than a Fromm or any other second, third string quarterbacks, because he certainly has a ceiling. But he has a lot more experience than Fromm, and he's still on a friendly deal for the next few years, and he only was able to get a, a six-round pick from the Eagles. So you're, you're not going to get a, a huge deal for that, but maybe that's a player-for-player player trade. Maybe there's someone that another regime has given up on or they don't want to pay that, a certain player a certain salary, so maybe the Bills swing a player-for-player player trade and, and Fromm is involved. There's a lot of interesting arguments to be made about some of the players that were out there, how long they were out there, what was the purpose of them being out there so long? Maybe the Bills are trying to show off what a few different players can do, including Fromm. Biggest winner today for me on either side of the ball 
in terms of the group that I think needed to, to show something today is Saran Neal because mm. he's coming off of a game last week where it was a struggle. And he had the, you know, I say a struggle. It was one bad play. But what, you know, in the scope of things, that one big time bad play can have lingering effects. And I really like the way that Saran Neal responded, came out here, asserted himself early. And if you take the entire body of work for this, this cornerback group over the course of the three preseason games, there's not one performance that I would put over what we saw to Saran Neal today. And I think I put an emphasis on the way that he had it. He didn't have any interceptions or fumble recoveries or forced fumbles. It was just the aggressive nature of his play, getting up and putting his helmet on guys, uh, technique in tackling the little things that I think is, are going to jump out at Sean McDermott when he watches the film. This was a big day for Saran Neal. And listen, if, if they're getting close with Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, I think that this gives them the kind of confidence to, to continue to believe in Saran Neal. Yeah, Neal had a great game. And you said he didn't have any interceptions or anything like that. He would have had an interception yeah, in that end zone. Uh, I think it was Andre Smith that got his hand on the ball. He's one of my big winners today. I know I didn't write him up in the stock up, stock down, but I had him competing for one of those uh, maybe final linebacker spots. I thought he had kind of earned that fifth spot already, but he did nothing to make me change my mind there. Uh, he was impressive. He made some plays on defense once again. And not just Neil on defense, Matt. Shortly in that game, I wanted to say it was the first punt of the game for the Bills, uh, that second series. It was uh, six yards down the field after the, the punt was fielded. He's the one that made the tackle. He was right there to make up that play. He is so valuable to that special teams unit. He can play inside, outside at cornerback, obviously more comfortable on the inside. And he was making a lot of plays today. So great choice for your big winner. I thought Andre Smith solidified his chances, though, at linebacker. Uh, you know, th there were a lot of players vying for jobs today where I thought, you know, th they may have helped their case a little bit here and there. I'm not getting off of the F.A. Obata hype train by any stretch. I still am. I've liked what I've seen from him over the course of the summer. And I still think if I was doing a 53-man roster right now, he'd be on the roster. But I think that we've seen Bam Johnson catch him and maybe pass him. And he offers that other piece, uh, obviously, on special teams that I don't know if F.A. Obata – where they can place the kind of trust in him to be a big time player on that. I've, I've seen people like say out there, like they're not going to keep, you know, all these guys for special teams. Who are we talking about here? Sean McDermott mm -hmm. and Brandon Bean most definitely will keep players just for special teams and a, and a big pile of players at that. And I think that Daryl Johnson, you know, we saw him play today on the edge. He almost had a sack. Uh, Josh Thomas beat him there. Um, I thought he played pretty well rushing on the interior. I'm going to have to go back and watch the game to really get a full picture of it. But I think that he's done enough to elicit confidence from this coaching staff. And now we're in a position where if numbers are really crunched and there's no way they can get seven defensive ends on the roster, trades make sense. Like start taking calls on Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, maybe even, I know it sounds crazy, but Jerry Hughes. I mean, if, if I don't, I don't I'm not advocating for that. I, I think that Jerry Hughes is a big time is has the potential to still be a big time piece for this rush unit. But a couple things, number one, he's not an Eric Washington guy. Like he's, a, he's a bills guy. He's been here for a long time. But the, the value on Jerry Hughes is never going to be 
higher than it is right now. As a matter of fact, it's going to dip considerably probably as we move through this season and into the next off season. And they don't even have his, you know, him under contract next year. And so if you start talking about, you know, building this thing long-term, we heard what Eric Washington said about Mario Addison earlier this summer. I don't know that I'm not ruling it out. I'm not predicting it in any way, but I do think that if he's getting a lot of calls and somebody comes with something crazy, like here's a second round pick next year for Jerry Hughes, it's interesting. Yeah, and I've seen a few people in the commentary say, pump the brakes. We're not saying it's going to happen, Bills Mafia. We're saying it's it's an interesting possibility because there's a numbers game there. And Matt was just mentioning FAL Bada maybe getting passed by Daryl Johnson. FAL Bada flashed today. He made some plays. He brings that versatility to play inside, outside, but Johnson flashed too. He just missed the sack like Matt mentioned. He's one of their core special teams players. Uh, and, and those are guys that are right now, in terms of the depth chart, defensive end six and seven. And you'd probably like to keep both of those players here because had F.A. Obata put up the stats that he did last year in Buffalo, he would have led the team in sacks. So, he, you know, he, he's a, he has some NFL experience and value. If they can find something for him in a trade, maybe Obata is the one that's the odd man out. Uh, but if you're looking for some other trade options where you get some more return, there might still be some name value with Mario Addison. I know he is an Eric Washington guy. He is the oldest of the defensive ends. Uh, and he's in the final year of his uh, contract with the Bills. But th- if there's something there for him, that's fine. If, if you get blown away with an offer for Jerry Hughes, you at least have to listen. Because Matt and I have talked about this both on camera and in person. By the end of this season, I don't think it would surprise either of us if you had A.J. Epinesa and you had Greg Rousseau leading the way in terms of snaps per game at those defensive end positions because you're bringing in that future. That Those are the two guys that you expect to be your bookends for the, for the next five to seven years maybe. So by the end of the year, that might be their role. They might be the ones playing the bulk of the reps while you have Hughes or Addison spelling them, staying fresh, and that's fine. There's a role for them. And there's something there to be said about that, keeping veterans like that fresh, that are savvy, that can help you in a Super Bowl-type year. But at the end of the day, there's also some tough numbers to be crunched here for Brandon Bean and company. And if you get a really good pick or a really good player that fills one of your needs, you should at least consider it. I see Joe over on Facebook saying a second rounder for Jerry, LOL, I wish. Sometimes teams get desperate. When injuries come along or a lack of talent come along and you have playoff intentions, we've seen people overpay for much less talented players than Jerry Hughes. So I wouldn't throw the, the point of it all is I would not throw out any option. I think they're all on the table. The thing I come back to with Obata, and by the way, crazy numbers on YouTube. You guys are showing up in droves. We appreciate you. Smash that like button, hit the subscribe button as well. Let's get as many people in here as we can. You know what? You look at the numbers and you look up and you look about guys that are replicating skill sets. You know what I mean? And I look at FA Obata. I put FA Obata, Bam Johnson, and Boogie Basham as in kind of like a, a, a pile and a bucket of their own because they all do similar things. You can't cut Epinesa yet in year two. I think he's shown too much in the preseason. You can't cut Boogie Basham. You just drafted him in the second round. So it comes down to Obata and and Bam Johnson. And while I don't think necessarily that either one of those two guys, you want to move on from them, it just comes down to there's there's guys every year, Ryan, and on rosters not as talented as this that you just have to make a hard decision at. And oh, by the way, 
Brandon Bean and his staff have been hard at work scouring you know, game film and practice reports to figure out what kind of talent might be out there when teams make their cuts. So maybe there's a guy in mind depending on where they go. Another point I want to bring up. What, what's making this exercise even more difficult are the number, the number game that's happening at cornerback and at wide receiver. What's the status of Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, and Taron Johnson? Do you have to bring them over and then put a couple of them on an IR if it's going to be a longer kind of time frame till they're back? Now, it does. I don't get the sense from Sean McDermott that that's the case. It seems like he's pretty um, bullish on them returning all pretty quickly because when it's been brought up, it's been kind of like a day to day. You know, maybe some week to week, but I think Harrison Phillips is more in that pot. In that pot. So I don't think it's a problem yet, but it, it quickly could become one. And that impacts the decisions on the, on the 53 man. Yeah, that's well said. And, and Mark has a question here saying that Bean said they had the most trade calls about DN. Do you think they've actually had calls or he's drumming up business or angling for better leverage? I think he's received a ton of calls. I think he's made plenty of calls. I think every GM in this league has called one another to at least check in on certain players and say, you know, how many players are you guys expecting to keep at this position? They all have pretty good relationships with one another. They talk, they, they try to figure out who's on the bottom of each roster. Would it make sense for us to trade this player for this player? Um, could the bills trade one of those defensive ends for a cornerback, keep an extra corner already on the roster due to the injuries and then bring that player along throughout the season. Who knows? But yeah, I, I'm very confident that he was not just saying it to drum up interest. Now, some of the things that he says, whether it's not in, in game today, I don't know how many NFL GMs are really watching the game on the NFL network uh, across the league, but I'm sure he says certain things to bring up certain points. Like when he said, uh, oh, you know, with, with Daryl, and it wasn't being in this case, but with Daryl Johnson, when they were hyping him up and saying, oh, special teams, coordinators from other teams come up to me all the time and say, this guy is amazing. This guy is great for his size. They might have been trying to, to drum up some interest in Bam Johnson at that point. Today with Justin Zimmer, he was talking about how important Justin Zimmer is to this team. Justin Zimmer is a glue guy, just like he's been referred to uh, by Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and company. But at the same time, yeah, there's probably, hey, you know, this guy's really important to us. If someone really wants him, you know, he can be had, but there's going to be a price to be paid for that. So uh, I think it works a little bit both ways. If you're an NFL GM, you're always trying to drum up interest. You're always trying to get a deal for someone that maybe you're eyeing. But yeah, I, I truly believe the Bills have had a lot of interest from other teams on the defensive line, specifically at uh, defensive end. Yeah, I think um, as you look through this roster, and let's get back to before we uh, – we'll continue taking any of your questions. If you guys want to talk 53-man roster um, questions, put them in the chat. We'll get to them here because I, we were talking about it before the show. We may – I have a, a really busy day on Monday, so I'm not sure if we're going to do a show that day. And the first practice back won't be until Wednesday. So uh, I think this is going to be our last show, we think before roster decisions are going to be made. We'll have a show on Tuesday night, obviously, and then I'm hoping to have a Wednesday night show with a guest. So we have two early week shows lined up next week. We're going to give most of our thoughts on the 53-man uh, roster in this show right here. So bring it up. Let's talk. We're here for a while. I don't have to go anywhere uh, until they kick me out. I've heard a couple of people come to uh, the room a couple of times, but I think we're, we're all good. So drop them in here. Uh, let's get back. Let's get to the run game a little bit because – we didn't see it until 
15 play, 16 plays into the game, Ryan, the first 15 mm. plays, it's like, it's unbelievable. You know, Brian Dable, I have so much respect for his brand that he's so comfortable with at this point. I mean, to come out in a preseason game and dial up 15 straight passes. I know Josh Allen's in there in the, in the majority of this offense, but man, that, to, to not even be worried. I think that what we learned is this is a group, a, a regime that is not nearly as concerned with the run game as the fan base is. You know what I mean? Because in that situation, you got Josh in there. You probably want to see them, you know, run it a couple times and see what's working and what's not. But instead, they just keep throwing the ball. But when they finally did start to run, it was Zach Moss that got the carries. Uh, he actually, let me see here. He, he led the team in the first half, four carries, 10 yards. Uh, he had the touchdown catch on, the, on, on a nice secondary read from Josh Allen. Uh, I think it was Cole Beasley that was coming across, or maybe it was Dawson Knox coming across first. And he went to the second read and it was Zach Moss. Threw a nice touchdown pass to him. But a nice game for Moss. What were your uh, impressions of the run game? Uh, 17 carries in the game, 60 yards. Yeah, if you watched, or if you didn't watch the game and you only saw the final stat line of four rushes, 10 yards, you'd come away pretty unimpressed. But he also had two really big runs that were called back on holding penalties. And I want to go back and watch the game tonight or tomorrow morning. I think if there was holding in both instances, they announced the wrong number. Uh, the first one I want to say was on Gabriel Davis, called on Gabriel Davis. Second, I think, was called on Jacob Hollister. And on the initial replay in both plays, it looked like neither player came close to holding the opposing player. Now, I'm not saying the refs were wrong. They may have just called the wrong number or someone else that was in the vicinity at the time. I have to go back and look. But Moss looked pretty explosive uh, running to the outside on some of those plays, picking up some big chunks of yards, breaking tackles. And then you mentioned it. He also had the touchdown reception. So I think he looked good. Matt Breida, he had some little gadget plays. He had some receptions. One reception really stands out in my mind because as soon as he caught it, there was a Packers player flying in, and he just sidestepped it, timed it perfectly, sidestepped it, ran up the field, probably picked up seven or eight yards on the play, showed off that speed uh, that the, the Bills wanted to add to that offense. So you know, you and I both know, Bills fans, you already know, this is not a team that's going to go toe-to-toe with another uh, and try to run the ball 30, 40 times in a game. It's just not how they work. It's not their MO. They're going to try to throw the ball around, put up a ton of points, and force other teams to become one-dimensional and force them to throw the ball much like they like to. So it's really interesting to see how they went from one preseason game uh, week one against Detroit to really running the ball, running the ball a lot, getting that going or trying to get it going to the last two weeks where we saw Trubisky throw it around in that revenge game, quote unquote. And then obviously with Josh Allen today, where they were throwing it for most of his stint out there. It's just the way this offense is built. And, and obviously it worked one year ago. It There's no reason to believe it won't work again this year. Brian Dable is always adding wrinkles to his play calls and I'm sure that he's not just going in with the same play call set from one year ago because a lot of teams have film on that now but they're going to be pass happy and I'm sure they're going to have just as much success if not more than one year ago Mm -hmm. everybody I mean these numbers are off the chain I mean these shows have traditionally like after games um, what are we about a year and a half into the podcast now uh, these have t- tended to be pretty good show numbers wise, but man, YouTube, you are popping right now. Hit that like button, subscribe as well. Um, you know, interestingly enough, it's a 19, nothing win. Right. And um, 
Great reminder, Matthew Harmon coming through. Uh, we're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Spend more time enjoying everything that summer has to offer. Less time worrying about getting to the store with Tops Pickup and Delivery. Shop for your groceries online. Choose pickup or delivery. Tops will bring you the groceries right to you. Visit topsmarkets.com to get started. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked Matt Breida quite a bit today. I really was impressed with the way uh, that he ran with the ball. Uh, Zach Moss, the two runs that were called back. I think that there's a confidence level building there. And so that's something that we'll continue to track once we get into the regular season. But I still think, like we mentioned with the tight end position, teams, when they come to face the Bills or host the Bills, however it plays out, their game planning stop this wide receiving group. And that's just the bottom line of it all. Now, on the other side of the ball, it's a 19 nothing win, like I mentioned. And how much are you going to really dig in here to find all of the things you didn't like? I, I did see quite a bit of consternation around the Bills' uh, inability to stop the run. Uh, 28 carries, 118 yards for the Packers. Nothing crazy, but I just felt like they were able to sustain drives. I saw a couple missed tackles early on in the game. And so this is something that, listen, this was Star Latulale's first game back. I mean, he's he's looked good in training camp, but I think getting these reps is pretty important. I'll be interested to see what his snap count looks like once we get to the Pittsburgh Steelers game. But this is the guy that, you know, he just missed a couple practices. He's been out for the week because of the close contact. And so I think that some of those things show not Harry, having Harrison Phillips, who's been really, really good in the first two games, played a role. I know some people seen a lot of stuff about Tremaine Edmonds. And yeah, maybe um, that, that could be the case. But I, I'm not really willing quite yet to take away from this one half of football that there's issues against the run quite yet. I really want to see them. I think we'll get a better idea, Ryan, in the Pittsburgh Steelers game when they go up against Najee Harris and what I think is going to be a bit of a smash mouth attempt uh, on their part, especially on the road. Yeah, the, the Steelers have no shortage of weapons in the passing game, but they drafted Najee Harris to be this workhorse back for them right out of the gate. And, and I think they're going to try to utilize him a lot in week one against Buffalo because another way to beat the Bills is to play keep away with the ball. And if Najee Harris runs the ball well, the clock's going to keep running. The Bills aren't going to be able to get on the field. And, and you know, in those scenarios, the Steelers are likely putting up points as well. So it's going to be up to the Bills to stop Najee Harris or at least slow him down for the most part. I'm sure he'll break off a few large runs, make a few plays. Uh, very good running backs do that every single week. That's just what, why they're among the best of the best. And and Harris was viewed as the best running back in this draft class for a reason. So there'll, there'll be some plays, but it's going to be up to the Bills to stop him. And if their offense is firing all cylinders like it was one year ago and like it did today in this first half, the Steelers are going to have to come out of that philosophy. They're not going to be able to run it as much. So that that's the beauty of this game. The Bills can also control how much the Steelers run it by one, slowing him down, but two, putting up points of their own uh, and making them come out of that smash mouth attempt. You know, you can come away and have some concerns about the opposing team averaging 4.2 yards per carry. You can have some concerns about... The uh, Green Bay Packers moving the ball up and down the field. They did. Jordan Love, I, I think he, other than the horrendous interception where he was throwing off his back foot, initial pressure by Ed Oliver, and then when Love rolled out, it was A.J. Epineza who ended up hitting him. So both of those players deserve big uh, kudos for forcing that bad, bad interception and almost hit throwing another. I thought Love had a really good game throwing the ball around, getting it to the open receiver, turning around Cam Lewis at one point, or well, the receiver turning him around. But 
again, this is the preseason. The Bills aren't showing everything. No defense is showing everything or offense right now. It's They're working out the kinks. This is the first time a lot of these starting units were on the field together. So give it some time. Don't panic yet. And like you said, Matt, at the end of the day, it was still a 19 to nothing win. Yeah, there's a lot of good things, I think, to take out of this preseason. I, you know, it's everything's going to change in two weeks, right? Like we we spent all this time in training camp. We spent all this time, uh, it, you know, evaluating preseason games. There's still a lot of vanilla to, to all of this. And so who knows if there are stunts and games that this defensive line has been working on in practice, which, oh, by the way, we can't tell you about uh, and not even – I'm not even insinuating that that's been happening, but, and honestly, I don't know if I would even really be able to decipher a lot of that from where we stand or, or anything like that. But I really do think that this group, especially how they built the roster at the, on the line and how they like to, you know, deploy their defensive players on the line. They want it to be a group effort. They want it to be where you're kind of feeding off the guy next to you. And I think that we're seeing a lot of different combinations right now. And, you know, this is the first time we've seen Jerry Hughes and Greg Rousseau start opposite each other to start a game. And then it was Mario Edison that came in at more of his natural position. That's an interesting wrinkle that I think we could talk about. Mario Edison had this big dip in production last year. He was playing a lot on the left side of the defensive line last year. When he was in Carolina, most of his work came at that right defensive end spot where Jerry Hughes also likes to play. I, I wonder if like over time, if they don't kind of figure out a rotation where they maybe get funnel Jerry Hughes over to that spot a little bit more when he's on the field with Mario Addison and let Mario rush, rush for the right side just to see if that maybe unlocks something. That would make sense. Or maybe it's the scenario where I was talking about earlier with uh, Epineza and uh, Greg Rousseau, maybe they're on one side and, and maybe on the other side, it's Hughes. And then when Hughes needs to get spelled for a few snaps, it's Addison coming in. Addison said earlier this year, he doesn't, he doesn't want to be that guy that's playing the majority of the bulk of the reps anymore at his age. He wants to be able to stay fresh. Uh, so maybe it's those two splitting one side and, and the bills getting creative with how they utilize their younger players in Epineza and Rousseau and Boogie Basham. Um, it, it's, it's a good problem to have, but that also goes back to you and I talking in hypotheticals about maybe one of those veterans could be traded because you have two guys who play their best at the same spot. You're trying to develop and bring along these younger players. Again, never say never in this business. I still remember a few years ago. Now, mind you, it was in, the bills were just starting this new regime, but back-to-back trades within minutes with Sammy Watkins and Ronald Darby, uh, Going into that season, I never would have guessed either player would have been traded, and they were. So wasn't part of the McDermott regime. Uh, Hughes is the longest-tenured player here. Addison has a lot of experience with McDermott from Carolina days and all that. But anything can happen in these next few days as the Bills and every other team across this league look to get their rosters down to 53 players. I think it's probably a really exciting thing for the coaching staff to have as many preseason reps as they've had for um, the offensive line unit. Uh, what I think they probably project is the starting lineup. I still think, I know people have talked about Ike Butker being in the mix there. I, I'm really, I think it's kind of locked up for Cody Ford at this point, just because of, of several factors. I think he's played better than um, Ike Butker in the preseason and in training camp. Um, 
I think that there's more invested in him being a starter. And I think that, you know, really the long and short of it, Ryan, is I think he deserves a chance to kind of go out there at one position. He showed up on day one and majority, I mean, he's played some left guard, but it's majority been right guard um, next to Daryl Williams. I think that there's like a little bit of a bond there. They both went to Oklahoma. I think that their games maybe complement each other a little bit, a little bit better. He's close with Deion Dawkins too. And I think it would work on the left side if that's where they positioned him. But they, they seem like they found a home form at right guard. And I think that you go into the season. I think he, I think he's played pretty well, pretty consistently. And I think as we get into the season, any struggles that he does have as a pass blocker, I think – I don't want to say they're negated, but the impact is is lessened because of how much – how quickly Josh Allen gets rid of the ball. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You saw it today. That Josh Allen, this Bills uh, passing offense, there were quick passes. And that wasn't just because of today's game. They, they did that a lot last year. Allen will throw it deep and hold the ball when he needs to, but for the most part, they're, they're quick passes. He, he's – uh, avoiding pressure in that scenario. Uh, and, and a guy like Cody Ford, who's better as a run blocker than a pass blocker, that, that'll benefit him. That'll benefit uh, a lot of those players on the interior. I feel like Feliciano's is maybe a better run blocker than pass blocker too. So that's nothing new. Ford, though, like you said, has been healthy. He's come in since day one. He's looked great. He's had some strong practices. Give him that shot on this offensive line, which you and I are both anticipating will be the case. See what he does in that starting role, not just in terms of pass protection, but see if he helps get that run game going. When the Bills do hand the ball off, can they open up some lanes on the inside for Zach Moss and Devin Singletary? Can he get to that next level on a screen pass and open things up for a Matt Breida? Those are the things that I think Cody Ford can do and has the athleticism to do. He just needs the opportunity, and after some bad luck with injuries early in his career, hopefully this is the year he can prove what he can do for this Bills offense. If you go back and watch the touch, the first touchdown uh, to Gabriel Davis, that to me are the kind of plays that they're going to bring up in the film session tomorrow or whenever they get back in there. And they're going to really, as a group, get a shout out from the coaching staff. All five of them, it was like a, it was a lot of tandem blocks. It was ones where, you know, Cody Ford had to pass a rusher off to Mitch Morris. Uh, John Feliciano had to pass someone off to Deion Dawkins. And they held up in a big spot, gave Josh Allen the time that he needed in the third and 20 situation. Those are big time plays that I think, was it perfect throughout the game? Was Cody Ford, if you dial up his, whatever it ends up being, 35 snaps, were they all like elite run block or pass blocking plays? Probably not. But you need those guys to show up on those plays. Josh Allen is going to make a lot of deficiencies irrelevant because of the way that he plays the game and the way that the offense moves. So I think when you break this down and you look at, you know, Cody Ford in a, in a box because this play was bad or that play was bad, I want to look at the plays that went well. I want to look at the plays that went horribly wrong, usually turnovers or, 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 or instances like that. Today, the bigger plays, I felt like I looked in and saw Cody Ford doing probably what they wanted him to do. Another note here. I see it in the comments here from Don on YouTube, which, by the way, YouTube, you're crushing it. Like it. Like this video. Right down at the bottom, little thumbs up. Give it a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. Every time we go live, it's important, not only because we want you know to have a, a channel that has a lot of you guys subscribe to it. 
it gives you the notification when we go live or we change the time so you know when we're going to be live. Uh, Don brings up a great point. Cole Beasley was absolutely electric today. I mean, this dude, um, by the way, Spencer Brown, Chris asked about Spencer Brown. He did not play today. We'll talk about him in a minute in this offensive line and how, how those numbers could shake out. Beasley was, he looks like, the, his relationship with Josh Allen is at a stage now where they really do know what each other is thinking out there. And that's what takes it to the next level. And I think that they're ready to go, Ryan. Yeah, there's no question they're ready to go. Uh, Cole Beasley was great today. They, they had one misfire where Beasley was running down the field, had some separation, would have been a big gainer. But besides that, they were in sync with one another. There was a big third down play where – Allen threw it right where Cole Beasley was sliding to move the chains. Uh, these two are, are just in sync. They've been together longer than uh, any of these receivers on the team because Beasley has been here the longest of, of these main receivers on this roster. So it's no surprise that Allen always knows where Beasley's going to be, that there, there's not that many or any miscommunications anymore. And that's the promising thing. That's what you're hoping to see. There's going to be less and less of as the year goes on with an Emmanuel Sanders when they get more comfortable with one another. We saw as the year went on last year, Gabriel Davis and Stefan Diggs, less and less miscommunications with this Josh Allen because of their time. The more time these players have with Allen, the better that relationship gets, the chemistry, everything. And, and you saw it firsthand today with Beasley and how great he was moving the chains, being that reliable weapon for Allen in the middle of the defense. Uh, he, he's in line for another big year. Despite the, this Bills team having so many legitimate options, it would not shock me if this is the year that Cole Beasley goes over 1,000 yards receiving. I see a comment here about the receivers. Coach Chapman over on YouTube, we are going to get to the receivers. Let's get to the offensive line first. I saw Spencer Brown working before the game, just some conditioning stuff. Uh, he didn't play, and I kind of expected that. I think they saw all they needed to see out of Spencer Brown against the Bears last week. I don't think that they were going to chance anything and rush him back. I think they wanted to get a look at Tommy Doyle again if they could. And, man, poor guy. He's not ready. You know, that's the bottom line with Tommy Doyle. He's not ready. I don't think that he's put anything on tape that would probably scare you from cutting him if you needed to. And that's kind of a nice caveat to this is, like, I think you can get away, Ryan. Call me crazy. I think you can even get away because of some of the numbers games you're going to have to do with the gymnastics cutting bringing in only eight offensive linemen to the 53-man roster i know that sounds nuts and this is a team that traditionally likes to keep heavy numbers but you're looking at you got your five you've got solid depth with ike up ike bucker spencer brown now is your swing tackle who i think he's probably he'll probably be ready uh by pittsburgh i don't want to predict that or anything because we don't know specifically where he is but i think he's trending in the right direction and then you have uh, Ryan Bates, who can play all five. So right there, and I'm not saying that you're going to get to the other side of Tuesday and you're going to just stand pat at eight. You're going to probably bring other guys back as you work some injury uh, maneuvering uh, around a little bit and look at, at what other players are out there. Who's cut? Is Ty and Seki cut? Do you want to bring him back and try to stash Tommy Doyle on your practice squad? All types of options are out there for you, but I think without a doubt, I, I, I wrote it in my observations, Tommy Doyle is not ready yet. Needs probably a year to develop. Bobby Hart is ready to be cut. <laughs> and that's well said. Yeah, and listen, Doyle is very athletic. There's no denying that. That's why they, they probably drafted him. They saw a lot in the skill set that is promising when they have the time to bring him along. 
he should not be out there on the field at any point this season if it's a meaningful game. Uh, if it's a kneel down late in the fourth quarter and he's on this roster, so be it. But you, you don't want him playing meaningful reps based on what we've seen so far. He needs some time, like you have mentioned time and time again. Uh, so that's to be said, though, with a lot of mid-round, late-round rookies that play offensive tackle. The speed of the NFL game alone it takes some time for these players. You know, Spencer Brown, day two pick, when he's been in there, he's looked the part. But the, there's a big difference between day two and, and mid-rounds in the NFL when it comes to rookies. So, yeah, you know, Doyle's not ready. They're going to have to look and see what's out there. The, like I said, cornerback and offensive tackle, if the Bills make a trade and it's player for player, it would not shock me in the least bit if that's what they're getting back in exchange for whoever they send away. Bills Mafia, we're 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 threatening 500 on YouTube right now. We're threatening very hard. So what I want you to do is I want you to text your family, your friends, whoever you know. <laughs> Tell them to get to YouTube right now. Search Shout Buffalo Bills on NY Up. Get to the Shout Podcast right now. Let's get this thing over 500 before we get out of here. Make sure you smash that like button. Hit that subscribe button as well. Another conversation I was having with Thad down there. Ryan, do we have to get the Sharpie out for Marquez Stevenson? I think he's done enough in this preseason to make him a guy that they want to not risk losing. I don't know what his role is on the other side of this thing, because I think if McKenzie's healthy, he's probably the return man. But I also wonder, I, I, I look at that punt today. Of course, the 79 yard punt was its own thing, but that return from the five yard line, a lot of stress in that moment. He probably shouldn't have even tried to receive it. He probably should have let it go in the end zone. But he has the um, wherewithal to take take it, get to the outside, get the Bills 20 yards and have position at the 25-yard line. I don't know. I, I think that they might want to try him as a punt returner, maybe have McKenzie be the kick returner. And that's even if McKenzie's going to be ready by week one. Yeah, it's interesting because McKenzie's injury does have to factor into this decision. You saw Stevenson make big plays in the first two preseason games, one as a receiver, one as a return man. He didn't make a, a big splash play today necessarily. Uh, but what's interesting, Matt, is I wonder if he was told in, in both his kick returns and punt returns, I don't care where it is as long as it's in, in the field of play, return it. Because he returned that opening kickoff that was pretty deep in the end zone as well. And then the punt that was from about the three or the five. So maybe that was the, the goal of this coaching staff. They said, listen, don't do the fair catch. Don't let it bounce in the end zone. We're evaluating everyone, the people in front of you blocking, you yourself. We want to see what you can do. And, and you're right. Feeling that punt at the five or at the three, it was somewhere in that range. And being able to get out to the 20 or a little bit past the 20 was impressive in its own regard. You need some options there. He has straight line speed, and, and with an, in a passing offense with Josh Allen, it never hurts to have that downfield threat when a lot of teams are going to be giving a lot of extra attention to Diggs and Beasley and Sanders and uh, Gabriel Davis. So if you can somehow do a five wide receiver set or you know rotate one of them off and get him in there from time to time. Yeah, he could pay dividends this year. So I think there's a case to be made for him. He did exit the game. I believe it was a head injury is what they said on the broadcast. So, you know, hopefully nothing too serious there. But he's definitely in play. If the Bills are keeping a seventh receiver, I would expect it to be Stevenson. All right. I think we've covered everything pretty uh, in-depth here as we look ahead to the decisions that are on tap for Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott on Tuesday uh, to get this all uh, figured out. Uh, one more question here we'll get to before we get out of here. We didn't 
um, cover this in de- too in depthly today. What was your evaluation of the linebacking crew today? You know, I thought the starters probably left a little bit to be desired outside of AJ Klein, who continues to to be on a streak. I mean, he's been on a heater, man. Like when they've asked him to play, going back to that stretch where he won Defensive Player of the uh, Week that one week, I think it was against the Dolphins. Um, he's been really good. I mean, the Bills came out today. Predominantly, uh, cutdown day is on Tuesday at 4 p.m. So make sure you keep it locked on Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com for all the coverage of that. Um, they played predominantly, or not predominantly, but they mixed in a ton of 4-3 defense today, which surprised me out of the gate. But also at the same time, it didn't because we're looking at you know how all these injuries at cornerback. They, they didn't really have numbers. They came out with Tredavious White, Cam Lewis to start the game. I thought that you know maybe the lack of playing 4-3 over the last year maybe played into the why the, the, the Packers were able to move the ball the way they did. I know some people were frustrated with Tremaine Edmonds. I don't know. I just think people are looking for an excuse to go after Edmonds because I think, I think the problem with Edmonds is that people want to see the impact that Josh Allen has on the offensive side of the ball. They want to see Edmonds have that impact on the defensive side of the ball. Big splash plays, blowing people up. And, you know, it happens from time to time. Um, I don't know if this defense and the way that it's structured allows for that. I'd have to go back and really sink my teeth into, you know, how Luke Keekley played the, the position for Carolina back in the day. But I thought that they were fine. I thought it was it was it, they wanted to get off the field a little bit more consistently than they were able to. They made some plays when they needed to. I thought, you know, they weren't t- outside of Saran Neal. I wasn't thrilled with the tackling. I will say that in the first half. And, you know, that linebacker position at the second level, that's usually a problem. Uh, I thought the depth line, I'll let you take over in a second here, Ryan. I thought the depth linebackers played pretty good. Although I, I think Tyrell Dotson got kind of a showcase in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. I didn't see enough from him. To, to warn a roster spot, I think they can really safely get him on the practice squad. Yeah, I don't think the top five changed. Obviously, the, the two starters, AJ Klein, and then with Tyler Medikevich and Andre Smith, I think that is your your top five spots right now at linebacker. Like you said, maybe they were showcasing Dodson. Uh, maybe they maybe they end up keeping six linebackers. Who knows? But today they were forced to kind of go into the four three, like you said, because they were down quite a few bodies at cornerback. But also it was a way for them to get AJ Klein on the field to get him some play before the regular season. Uh, shows some more of those base four three looks, which I think over the course of the season they might utilize a little bit more this year based on the opposition that they see early on in game. So it, it was important for a variety of reasons to get a lot of those guys out there. But at the end of the day, that's one position where I feel like the linebacker, nothing really changed today in terms of who I see making this roster versus who I saw making this roster after their first preseason game. All right, everybody. Um, Brian uh, says that he's late to the party. He'll have to rewind. Do it. Go back, rewind, watch it again. Watch it as many times as you need to before Tuesday when the Bills get their roster down to 53 players. And then it's all about looking ahead to the preseason opener, Ryan Talbot. I mean, this is – it's crazy to think about – you know, it's been such a weird year and a half, two years with COVID and everything like that. Um, The start of camp and not being in Rochester and fast-forwarding through it all, uh, now sitting here now – it's, it's crazy how fast it goes. It feels like training camp just started, but here we are on the precipice of another year. We're going to do this dance one more time, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, a lot of exciting stuff to come uh, this season. 
Yeah, the, the starting offense looks ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The atmosphere at Highmark Stadium is going to be wild. You know, real quick shout out, Bills Mafia. You forced uh, one or two timeouts from the Packers today. You caused a delay of game when they were deep in Bills territory based on how loud you were. Uh, the offensive lineman, uh, the center, could not even hear Jordan Love trying to snap the ball when there's about two or three seconds left on the clock. So kudos to you guys for being in regular season form. The offense certainly looks like they're in regular season form. And, and we'll see how this defense looks come come week one between the variety of the young guys up front, that linebacking core, and then hopefully for the, the sake of this Bills team, the cornerback position's a lot healthier uh, in terms of getting Levi Wallace back out there, having Taron Johnson good to go. Uh, Trey White certainly looked the part today, making a big pass breakup. So high expectations, but the Bills are proving why here based on their preseason play. Tops Fresh Burger Bar. Go to Ryan Talbot's Twitter feed right now. You can find a picture of the man inside Tops checking out the Burger Bar. It's awesome. Has over 30 varieties of beef, turkey, chicken, plant-based, and gourmet blend burgers ready to grill. Tops Fresh Burger Bar has you smiling all summer long. We're out of here. Matthew Harmon, thank you for watching me on the pre- and post-game show. It's still sunny in Buffalo, so I'm going to enjoy it. Get out of here. Head home. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, everybody. We will see you on Tuesday night. Take care, everyone.